Hey everyone, how are you? My name is Blair Sinta. Welcome to the podcast. This is Recording Drums with Blair Sinta. Today, my guest is Mario Caleri. You may Mario know Mario from uh, back in the heyday of the band The Wallflowers in the 90s. He was a member of that band back then. Um, he's also toured extensively with Oza Motley, Liz Fair. Lately, he's been uh, playing on a lot of projects for the composer Lyle Workman and... Uh, we had a really converse, fun conversation. We're we're similar in life, where we're both uh, we are both parents to two children, and uh, we spend a lot of time working at home and recording. Um, so a lot of similarities there. Mario's he's a really funny guy. He really tells it like it is. He's got a pretty great online presence. Um, uh, you know, through his Instagram, kind of poking fun at some of the you know, how, how social media works with drummers and things like that. Um, but he's a, he's a fantastic drummer. Uh, he's a really great, uh, recording and live musician, just a, just a great musician, uh, super cool guy. So, yep. Today, Mario Caleri. And, uh, if you enjoy the podcast or if you enjoy what I do, please check out my courses available on my, on my website, uh, introduction to recording all about getting your foot in the door on recording drums and improve the groove improve your groove uh if you're looking for lessons on just you know working on groove time feel things like that things that are important to me and uh it's definitely important to 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 drumming itself uh all right i also have a free pdf that tells you all about my go-to gear in my studio uh, that is available in my link in my bio right on the front page of my website. If you're on YouTube, please comment. Please give it a thumbs up. Please share it. If you're on Instagram and you know people that might dig this podcast, please give it a shout out. And that's it. All right. Mario Caleri dropping some humor and some really good knowledge. Let's go. We're not going to okay. do niceties or anything, man, like that. We're just going to like nerd right from the beginning yeah know. i was about to start asking you questions and that's the whole point of this if we're not recording it then what are we doing like we would have got all the stuff out of the way and then oh now let's talk life doesn't exist unless you're recording it for yeah it's not it doesn't count yeah i should i should probably put my red headphones on so we can like just oh you know, my re god represent right you know i think these are actually a little too isolated it's like you're kind of for talking you know for playing it's cool you can't even hear yourself yeah you know, speaking of these, you use these same ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had an interesting, and you probably already know this, but I had an interesting um, conversation with Gordy, the guy oh, yeah. who makes them. Yeah. And he was telling me something that, um, you know, they got the Sony drivers in them, I, which the 7506s, which are pretty bright. Okay. But he said that when you put any speaker in this kind of closed you take you take a speaker that's designed for a certain like your headphones there you put yeah. it in a different enclosure yep it totally changes how they respond ah and they're already kind of bright but this makes them like really bright so with the trick for me that i've had to figure out is i've been making my stuff uh, not bright enough okay get it because it's uh, these are overrepresenting high end Okay, that's so, really yes. nice to me, dude, because mine are not bright. Okay, well, I, they should be. Have you had them for a long time? Yeah. You probably need new drivers because they go. He huh. also said like having 
drivers in this place where there's no air to escape uh-huh. is really hard on drivers. Like I have two pairs and I send one back to them just about every year for either new um, cushions. Yeah. If they're starting <laughs> to get uncomfortable on your head, dude, just send it to them. You just, you just, you yeah. just beat me to the punch because I was going to say yeah. hey, I need to get his info because my my cushions are bad now. Oh, dude, but it's the worst. Yeah. Actually, one of the things, it's really funny that you say that because one of the things that because people ask me about those headphones all the time. Yeah. And I say that one of the reasons I love them is that they're not bright and they don't uh. <laughs> in my ears. Okay, well, maybe I can wear them all day long, and I'm I don't get tired. Yeah, interesting. So, do you feel like when you're getting sounds that um, that it's translating well to what you're actually doing? Like when you go back and listen to your to your speak studio monitors, is it that, similar? So that's the that's where it it differs. I don't rely on them to get sounds at all. Well, how do you? So what do you do? I run back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's purely for tracking for me. Sure, sure. So, and I use these for like if, if I want to monitor separately from my speakers. Oh yeah, yeah. You you uh, you wouldn't mix with these. These are exactly. these are not accurate. These are for just saving your hearing. Yeah, yeah. So which I, is I, really important, but it isn't. This is <laughs> you know like I was relying on them too much, and okay. so I've had a few people say, "Hey, your stuff is sounded killer, but I need to add three, four, five k a couple dBs across the board." I'm like, "Geez, I think I'm my stuff sounds pretty right to me," and then I realize, "Oh yeah." If I just listen to my speakers, it's it's a different representation than than what I when I'm tracking to. But I don't want to crank up high end on my EQs because I, these are bright. I don't know, I'm already like hanging out to the hearing I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so so you sit there line. you sit there with your headphones on and you, and you tweak right from your seat right there. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it. I'm I'm on my big MacBook, but my rack. Yeah, I can't move it. Yeah, but but I can. Uh, well, I don't know if you can see, but like I'm not sitting at my kit. I have one chair over. Okay. So I have two chairs, and I can reach my kick pedal. Amazing. From here, so I can when I when I really want to like ch- check EQ on my toms, I can do it while I'm like I love having my rack here. The disadvantage is that um, I know that like my my monitors aren't really in an ideal situation. Wow. They're kind of tucked in. But I'm not a mixer. I'm tracking for people. So yes, I always wonder when I see people, how do you tweak when your shit is in another room? Like that would drive me nuts. Or you have to have somebody help you or some, you know, how do you do it? I, I have a little green guy that I live in the studio <laughs> and I feed him. No. I've trained my cats to uh, tweak the mic. What do you do? Do you kind of, do you, or do you, do you, have you found some tried and true stuff for like kick and snare and you sort of leave it with minor changes when you go back? Uh, that's definitely part of it. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. Um, couple things. I mean, like that's the main thing. It's right. It's like visually, I know where things work for me. Sure. You know what I mean, EQ wise too. And it's like, Oh, this needs to be brighter. Or like, like my FET mic, I'm going to roll off like three K, you know, from three K and just cut it out. Right. Anything above. Right. So that's just visual. Some things like, like my distressor, I will set a plug in. Okay. After I, you know, I do a little play. And then copy over. And copy yeah. over to, to the, the hardware. hardware. Yeah, that's smart. So little things like that. Yeah. And if you have like, uh, you know, any of the Neve simulations, if you have Neve-based EQs, then you can do the same thing. You could it's track flat the with the EQ yeah. out. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, be, I just love touching the knobs and being able to hear. Because yeah. I'll change, you know how it is. You change your kick, you change your snare, you change... The where your your mic position or the mic itself or the pre, yeah. 
you're trying to get a totally different sound and to, to be able to go, okay, um, what's working or not. And I don't go crazy with it. I think I'm doing normal shit too, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, this, this kind of subject really fascinates me because, you know, there's some, there's, we have a lot of peers and there's no one way to do this. As you know, I haven't listened to your podcast yet. Sorry, but I, I mean to, but I'm Go sure over. that you Why found, go? I gotta go. <laughs> no, I'm sure like when you, <laughs> when you're talking to different guys, there's a, everybody's got a diff, slightly different way to do it. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that like, so, you know, I think the way I do it running back and forth, I, I don't even think twice about it anymore. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like, is there a little more manual labor involved? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It probably takes me a little longer when I'm really trying to tweak something. But I don't think twice about like, oh, I got to play again. I got to run back and forth. Sure. But I'm sure that some people like you're used to doing this. It would if you had to come in here, do what I do. It would probably drive you up the wall. Yeah, I've gotten set in my ways a little bit. Um, Do you have so you must have like, do you run another uh, monitor and a keyboard or do you have an iPad to run your Pro Tools or whatever your DAW is? I do. uh, I do screen sharing with my once I get into doing takes. Yeah, I run my laptop with screen sharing. Oh, so it's it's just it's like running your computer. It just mirrors. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I love I mean, I have a big iMac that I'm talking to you on, which is just a couple of feet from my computer. So yep. while I'm playing, I can see all my landmarks like, oh, here comes that thing I need to catch. And <laughs> you got the same thing, but I have it like pretty visual, you it's know? So, so now it, yeah. yeah. I was talking when to I, Jake Reed uh, the yeah. other day and he was talking about that too. And I was like, I've li- well, I mean, I can see it through my window, but I don't rely on it. Sure. Sometimes like if I do have an engineer here and they're working, like, in fact, I was doing something yesterday and he, like I could see the thing coming up because we were literally it was like, hey, this is a 16 bar section at the end of the tune. And or, you know, I we actually hadn't even listened to it properly and I could see the end coming. But then he scrolled down. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing my stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. It, I realize it spoils me. Like if I go into a um, into a uh, regular quote unquote session. Yeah. You know, there's this, this computer's way far away. And it's like, oh, shit, I got to write a chart now. I know, right? I get so spoiled. Just like, OK, bridge. Here's that hold. <laughs> you know, I have my little cheat sheet. I'm playing I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's so cake. Like well, um, you, you can make your markers when you listen to it. And, and that's kind of your chart. Right. Yeah, that's what I do. I listen to it down and I go, you know, maybe they made, gave me some notes. Uh, most of the time I'm not getting a full session. So I'm making my own. But sometimes I have some people who send me a pro, whole Pro Tool session, then you have all their, yeah. you know, yeah. second verse, this and that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of spoils you. Um, but, yeah, I, I like being able to – I also – I wish you could see it. I've got this – what I'm – what I'm all my stuff is on is an old school teacher's desk. You know those old metal ones where there's two big oh, file yeah. cabinets on the side? Oh, yeah. Okay, now on the top so – on the sides above the file drawers – are these little slide out things like for writing? Yes. Yep. So I put my Bluetooth keyboard and mouse on that. Okay. I pull it out and it's right next to my kit. Then when I go to send tracks or edit or mix, I push that in and I'm right back at my desk. It just was a fluke. I bought this off Craigslist and this, I, I wasn't even thinking about using it that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got my tight little setup here. It works for me. I know there's a zillion ways to do it. Like sometimes I thought about buying like a fancy desk that's made for you know studio work yeah and i'm like well what do i really want out of a desk like this is fine right, right you know 
I also love the fact that you have your your CD shelf right behind you just for like Sonic. Yeah, th- this is I don't like CDs, it's just a fusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that if I if I if I um take some of the jazz section out it really helps my low end. <laughs> no, it's just I know it's people trip out and I realize like, you know, we grew up in the time we it was we used to go buy CDs all the time. Yeah. Uh and so and of course we stopped. So when I look at my CD collection, I still buy some here and there. But it's like a time capsule. My CD collection is besides the stuff that's classic, it's like all the modern stuff like stops in the late 90s. Right, right. Or whenever I stopped buying CDs early yeah. 2000. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's some like random shit that I you know, it's it's kind of dated, but I can't bring myself to get rid of it." And interestingly, yeah. I have one of my kids has gotten way into CDs. Uh. Cuz you know, we're all about like you know, extinct formats. Right. You know, like, uh, especially now kids are into vinyl. That's become big, but she's gotten into CDs. So she's been coming in here and stealing my CDs. How old is she? Uh, I have a 12 and a 15, two, two girls. Yeah. So the 15 year olds into the CD? No, the 12 year old. Really? Yeah. And she's like getting into the nineties now. She was all in the eighties music. And now it's like taking pixie CDs out of here. And does she have a CD player in her room? It's funny. You said that I bought one of those. I found on Facebook marketplace, those things that everybody had where it's like a tower with two satellites, like yeah. Sony. Yeah. It was like 25 bucks and it was awesome. It has a tape player. I'm wow. like, the next thing you need to get into is tapes, kid. That's yeah. the real yeah. <laughs> loss format. It's funny. Cause like, I find that like just listening, I have to like really scan my brain. It's funny. I listened to, um, the first two Fiona Apple records the other day. Okay. I just sure. I was driving. I've been driving a lot. Uh, and, uh, I was just like, what, like, I, you know, I was just going through like my, literally my CD catalog in my brain. Like what in there have I not heard in a long time that I would like to kind of revisit? Yeah. Not only were they like amazing to listen to and like, especially with some retrospective thoughts. Yeah. Um, but just the visual part of looking at things, you know, you scan your CD shelf, like, what do I feel like listening to? You know, yeah. What do I own that I feel like listening to? And with, you know, with digital music, you don't get that. You get the no. algorithm that says like, "This is what you should check out." It's like, yeah. oh, I don't want to listen to like that thing anymore. I want to yeah. want something that like I totally did not listen to. Hmm. You know. Yeah. The physical formats are still cool. So yeah, I'm hanging on for dear life, and I've got my. Uh, it's hard to see, but I've got my. I built shelves that hold my vinyl that lean on top of that cabinet. So it's kind of like all one world now. Um, My dad was in the band America. That's how I ended up in California because I was born in Buffalo, New York. My dad's a keyboard player. So in in 1977 or so, we moved out here from New York. And he, um, at the time, was given like free reign on Atlantic Records back catalog because he was in that band. So he said, he just, they said, whatever you want. He just checked like all the Atlantic jazz. Right. So I've, I've stole like most of my dad's records. He wasn't listening to him anymore. I think you're making a mistake on your diffusion though, by not having the records on the center shelf. Oh man. I know. Well, this gives me more depth yeah, in the yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of lucked out here, Blair, because I've been in this place for 20 years. And when I first moved, I'm in a neighborhood by with real tight neighbors yeah and i had a studio designer guy you know butch norton Mm -hmm. so he had a guy help him 
like design his home studio at the time. And I said, yeah, I'm building, I want to soundproof my garage so I can play. And he's like, I got a guy. And he sent me this guy who was this real eccentric genius, this guy named Ken Gores. Okay. And he came and designed the room. And he thinks like a recording guy. Yeah. And I, at the time, in 1999, was just thinking, like, I just need to be able to play yeah. and not drive everybody crazy. So right. it, was, it wasn't like, as a practice space. Yeah. And it was, yeah. I didn't realize, like, how lucky I was that I picked that guy because yeah. he, he, he had this whole design. I have a room inside a room. Yeah. There's also um, window boxes. So there's two sets of windows. So I have natural light in here, which is really incredible. Right. Um, so that was much later that I actually like started putting gear in here. I talked to you yeah. early on when I was first trying to figure out what I was doing. Yeah. And we you were helpful a couple of years ago. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's fascinating. Well, you know, it's funny because I had a similar thing. I, I, my first house I bought in 2003 and my main motivation was I need a place to play because I had lived when I first moved to LA in 96, like I had lived with roommates that tolerated me and we also had bands and we would play in there. But then I lived like in a, in a guest house where, and I barely practiced drums for like a couple years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it, I, it got to the point where, you know, I was on the road a lot, but I was like, man, when I come home, I want to, I want to play. I want to be able to play. Yeah. And you want to be able to play when it strikes you, when yeah. inspiration hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is a great thing became, about having, yeah. Yeah, and then it became a studio. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, you know, I knew I wanted to be recording, but I never knew the depth of where, obviously, where it was going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you, so when did you start to buy gear? Were you like, were you like. I had actually bought a Digi 02, like when it came out, and I was messing around with that. Yep. But I just, people weren't sending tracks to each other. Really? It wasn't like it became, you know, it was kind of, right? so I was like, well, I was tinkering around, but I, I just, I ended up getting in, um, I kept getting on, on road gigs Yeah. and I was in a band, Ozo Motley that right. kept me, we did, they, they were doing just a brutal touring schedule. Right. And it wasn't until I got off the road in 2013 that I was like, okay, if I'm going to be home, I got to be able to record from home. Yeah. And that's when I started like very humbly building a rig. And that's when I first hit you up and I was like, Hey, was this, is this okay? You're like, yeah, it sounds like drums. You were probably being generous, uh, no, but we both probably no, come a long way since then. I remember then. that. No, it, yeah. I wasn't being generous. <laughs> no, you were cool though, because you were ahead of me. You, you, you had been at it for a while at that point. Uh, and I had bought like, um, even for 2013 standards, I bought like a Jurassic rig. I had a G5 with a PCI card going into some kind of Apogee converter. Um, and I was running like Pro Tools 7, which was even dated for then. Right. And I and I bought some Personas Pre's. Like I just, I built my whole rig for like, I don't know, eight or 900 bucks. Like right. it was nothing. Right. And I had some mics, a few, just that I had collected. Nothing amazing. And that was the best thing I ever did because I just started to learn, you know, yeah. how to do plug, plug in a microphone, <laughs> how to get a level, you know, just yeah. the most basic thing. Yeah. And I remember when I did a session for 100 bucks, I was like, wow, I could really, you know, I should I do this. Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I could do more and make a few hundred. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it really, I don't know about your approach. It wasn't until recently when I, I made a couple big leaps in my rig. But before then, I was just like, okay, if I can grind out some money, then I'll buy another mic. Okay, if I can grind out a little more, let's just try to, whenever I could, reinvest. Yeah. And I think, you know, people see someone like your setup or maybe even mine or some of our peers, if kids are out there and they go, oh, man, they have all this insane shit. Like, I don't have enough bread for that. Like, it's just about getting started. Sure. Yeah. And I and I went the slow way. Like, I, I think that that was, it was good. I learned how to get better at what I was doing. Instead of just like, so like I did my first car drive, my first car I drove wasn't a Ferrari, you know, it's like right, that whole right, thing. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, that's really what I try to preach about all this is like the minimal miking thing is just, uh, it's like, that's why you, why you played little league on a small field at first, you know, you don't, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have, it's just like, you, you, you got to learn how to do, how to use the fundamentals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't go listen to Alan Holdsworth when you want to become a guitar <laughs> player. You start with like, you know, <laughs> Black Barry. Yeah. A reason. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. What, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about like, you know, you got into like the drum, I'm kind of like shifting, shifting sure. gears, but go I think we'll come back. the, you know, restoring drums and like the sonic part of that, that and how that's maybe influenced like your your drum choices and things like that. So I'm I'm like gonna oh, go, okay. dive in deep. Like, yeah, yeah. It kind of I, I find that interesting. Yeah, you know. I I I I like to um, restore drums. I imagine I'll do more of it when I get older. Like you know, tinkering in my garage. Mm-hmm. I was heavy into it for a few years. Yeah. And I did learn a lot about what makes different drums do what they do and and how to do certain things, how to wrap a drum kit, how to plug right. holes, how to, you know, all those things. But I also realized what an incredible time suck it is. Like I've I flipped a number of kits and then, you know, stuff like that. I'm sure it's the same for dudes who like restore old cars. Like if you start adding up the, the, the hours, then you'll be like, what? Why the hell am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. You know, I made like a dollar an hour. Right. Uh, but I did, you know, I don't know how it influenced my drum choices so much as I just gained it. Like when I get a kit, I know kind of what I, what I could do. I know what the edge of my abilities are. Like I don't have a, because my garage is all drums and studio. I don't have like heavy woodworking equipment. So right. like I take my drums to Chris Hewer or Bill Dedimore when I need edges. Yeah. Like I don't do that. Okay. Um, I'd like to learn someday. Right. But I know how to wrap a drum set and, you know, I, I cleaning stuff and okay. the normal stuff. So maybe it's not a big, maybe it's not a, a, a huge, like, thing. I, that you've, you've... I, I'll restore a kit when I come across one these days. Like, if, yeah. But it used to be, it, you know, I think there's a lot of dudes that are, that's their hustle, is yeah. like finding old gear and flipping it. Right. Uh, and it's harder and harder to find. Like, I used to just stumble oh. across old Ludwig kits right. for a few hundred bucks and be like, oh, I could, this is like really funky, but I could clean it up and play it and then, or sell it. Right. And now it's too hard to find. It's it's all about like, if I, if one falls in my lap, I might. Right. But I don't seek it out because I, it's not the best use to my time. Yeah. That's where I ended up. Yeah. The, the whole camp. I mean, do you feel like the, the kits that you own now are like, like the dopest kits for, ah. for the thing that you do? Well, you, I think, I, I wonder if you'll agree with this, Blair. Um, I was thinking about this recently. Um, I'll, you'll play something for a while and it'll be like your thing. Yeah. And then 
it's it's nothing's wrong with it, but maybe you change or you burn out on it. Yeah. So there's there's a natural cycle to stuff, but there are I I find like I've settled on a few things that, like you have, I'm sure you know what they do. Yeah. You can do your thing with them. You know what you can get out of them. They cover the bases you need to cover. So they check like certain boxes. And if I have too much stuff that's redundant, that's when I get rid of it. Like I got, I don't need two 60s Ludwig kits that are the exact same sizes. Right. You know, like as much as I'd love to have four or five of them in different finishes. They all look cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've got like, so I could tell you what I have. If it, I could be specific, like sure. I have my main recording kits are a Ludwig standard that I had Chris do, uh, do the edges on. That's mm-hmm. really fat. Now, one thing about those drums that you may know or not that I didn't know is so they're late 60s early 70s and they have mahogany yes mahogany on inside and outside yep. it's almost like a wfl shell or an older version it's not the maple poplar maple right so they're very warm and then i have um a camco kit that's a brighter but really cool okay and then i just got this well you can sort of see it i have a gretsch kit that i just got yeah, I've kind of flowed through a few 80s scratch kits, and I recently just sold two to buy the one that I just uh, was trying to buy off of a dude for a while. That's so killer. Didn't you have a white one? I like- did, and I but I only had it shortly, and it was oh, great. Okay. okay, but but this other kit, uh, long story. I was trying to buy a kit off a guy, and okay. he was like kind of on the fence, uh-huh. and he's like, and I was like, well, let me know if you ever want to sell it. It was it was kind of expensive because it's a big kit, and it was really mint. Uh huh. Well, I kind of gave up on it, and I bought that white kit that you okay. that you mentioned. And okay. then, like two weeks later, he's like, "Hey, I'm going to sell that kit. If you want it, let me know." And I was like, "I'm getting it." Okay. So I put up the white kit for a really reasonable price on my Instagram, and I sold it in like a couple hours to a buddy in L.A. Okay. Okay. And I sold a little Bop Gretsch kit that I is was awesome that I wasn't playing. Okay. And so I basically, you know how it is. Yeah. Like if 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 you're um. If you need drums, sometimes it makes sense just to flip some other drums and get the yeah. the, the new one you want. Five, get rid of the ones you, that you're not using as much. Right. You know, I did that with my snares. I had way too many for all, so I kind of pared that down too. Because of course, like I still have like twenty something snares, but I end up using the same five or six. Right. Whatever right. that rule is, it always like okay, I've got the freaking <laughs> this Ludwig and that Ludwig and this wood drum, and you know, there's a few things. It's like, and you go, oh yeah, I don't play that one ever, but. Maybe I will. Right. Right. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know if that was going to tie in at all. You know, that whole rabbit. Yeah. Well, if I'll find, if I find, like, I restored a Rogers kit um, that I found. It fell on my lap. Yeah. And I made, I just put a bunch of work into it, made it look awesome. And I sold it. I sold it to a buddy who has a studio. But I put it in my studio and I was like, this is a great kit. But. I like the way my Ludwig sound in my room. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Like, as you know, like, I think a lot of this, which this ties back into this whole recording thing is, because I was thinking about like, well, what are we going to talk about with Blair? We'll talk about whatever. But I really think that a lot of this thing, when you're doing your space, it's just about knowing your space. And you'll know after a while what works in there. It, yeah. I'm not saying don't experiment because you got to experiment to get there, but you'll find like, it's cool to keep trying different things. I see guys who just, they just go to the ends of the earth, constantly trying different shit in the room. Uh-huh. Uh, you may be one of those dudes, <laughs> but you also know that when you, you're at the point now where you know your room so well, you know what you can get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you know, like you might put a kid in there. It might sound good on a gig or in another room. You might not like it in your room mm-hmm. or mics. So I, I try not to be interrupted. I also am very aware of like, okay, does this work in my space? Do my room has a sound. Did you, so, so you had this built originally as like a practice space. And as you got into recording 2013, did you start to treat the room differently or, or was it kind no, of, you just it's kind funny. Of with what it, the guy it? that built the room is a serious tweaker. He like tunes people's mixing and mastering rooms and tracking rooms. Oh, okay. And he built me um, sound treatment yeah. that he installed. So I added too much junk like on the walls, like this CD diffusion. <laughs> so I had to move some of the panels around. Ah, but okay. But I mean, it, it works. Like one thing I have, uh, maybe you can sort of see, I have some diffusion on the ceilings. Okay. Yeah, I can see the edge of it. Yeah, them. so... Which are great because I can put any any mics up and it's I'm not getting a bunch of weird right stuff right up there, but it still has enough liveliness to it. What do you feel like your room is like really great at? Uh, tight and fat. Okay, it's just like so. There there isn't much weird stuff for me to deal with. It's pretty new. It's pretty even sounding, but it's it's tight. And that may also have something to do with the fact that it's full of shit too. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if I brought, got all my drum kits out here and had some more wall exposed, probably be a little snappier, but, uh, I've had people tell me, you know, the room sounds good. And I think sometimes I wish I had a bigger room, like higher ceilings and just a bigger room. But I think, well, honestly, most of the time I'd probably be trying to counteract that. You know, I'd be putting a gobo up or, you know, Yep. And I think with the tools we have now, and I don't know which ones you use, but I'm sure you use some of the same ones, like it's easier to approximate a bigger space that I think than it would be to spend a lot of effort fighting to make a big place yeah. sound tighter when that's what you want. Yeah. It's it's easier to get bigger than to get smaller. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um are you doing stuff for Lyle in your room? Uh a lot. Yeah. Uh not any in the past couple months, but over the pandemic and before yeah. then, I've okay, I've done a lot for Lyle. So as opposed to going to his place, you're, you're yeah. So Lyle is one of the most um, so so just so people know, we're talking about Lyle Workman. Who, yeah, he's a great composer, guitar player. He's got a record out. I'm not on it, but it's like Vinny's on it, and he, it's just incredibly inventive yeah. guitar player composer. Um, Lyle has a great home studio with his yeah. own drum room and he has good gear and he knows what he's doing with it and yep. he gets really good sounds and i would go there quite a bit okay and then there was a couple times when he was in a pinch and he said and this is a couple years back hey could you do something from home for me and i did and then the next time i had to do something for him i was like was that cool he's like yeah but um i, I want you to come to my place mm-hmm. like he was diplomatic about it but i think he was you know basically saying like i like my sound yep I like what I'm getting. I want you to come here. Yep. So I did that for a while. And another time, and as Lyle's one of these guys that's working at such a level that he's made me get better. Yeah. You know, like I, I, for instance, I was on an older version of Pro Tools. He'd send me a session from a score. And when you open up a newer version of Pro Tools and the older version, you get all this weird stuff happening. Yeah. And then he was having to sort of help me do surgery to make it work. And I thought, if I want to work with people who are doing at the highest level, I need to get my shit better. Yeah. And you know, how everything is connected Blair. Like yeah. 
the version of Pro Tools you run, at, well, the version of Pro Tools I was running at the time, um, I couldn't get higher on the type of Mac I was on. Right. It was that old. Yeah. And then if I wanted I've been to- been in that road, yeah. So, I, so within the last year and a half or so, I made a major leap. I made a couple of leaps before then, but then I got a new um, interface, computer, and software. Yep. So it's like, okay, bring it into the now, then I'll lock this down for a few years. Yep. And I'll worry about the next thing in a few years. Yep. Um, but yeah, as far as Lyle goes, uh, to finish that little thought, a couple, you know, few months down the road, another year later, I, I recently did, you know, uh, over the pandemic, I did stuff for him. He's like, wow, your stuff is like really great. It's as good as mine or better. And he really likes his sound. So if I'm making him happy, you know, I think getting a better interface was a big deal because I, I was on the older Apollo. I'm yeah, Apollo I based. Think, I think we texted about this. Where did you, yeah. you got an Apollo? I went to the new Apollo. It, yeah. I just, the, the new, um, the X series. Yeah. yeah. I have a 16 X. Is that what you got? Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like you, I have enough outboard pre's that are great. I'm not, I don't need one of those built in pre's. I wasn't using them anyways on my older one. Right. Yeah. So what, what kind of things, what sonically, well, two questions. Yeah. What, do you think you were trying to emulate some of the things that you knew Lyle liked, or do you think you just got better at doing Not it? at all. I was never thinking about Lyle's rig. Just how can I make where, you know, I'm sure you, you, you think this way too. It's like, you know, it's this money's hard fought for when we're trying to do sessions and gigs. Yep. Where is the smartest place next? If I'm going to put money into my recording rig, mm-hmm. you're kind of always thinking like, well, where does it make sense yep. to get better? So, you know, it's like, it's usually mics or pre's, you know, if it's not, if you're at a place now with your, you know, converter and your computer and all that. Yeah. So no, it's about, cause I have other clients than Lyle, but I knew that if I get my shit where I'm really happy with it, you know, other people I work with are going to be thrilled. So I made a couple big leaps, um, in recent times mm-hmm. where I was like, I actually sold quite a bit of drums Yeah. and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some stuff that is the best that I could think of that I've, that I've used that I know I'm not going to outgrow. I don't, I'm no more intermediate steps. If, if, if I'm not going to get something that's keeper stuff, I'm just going to wait till I can afford, you know, I think there's a lot. And I, and I don't mean to say this, like I would give the opposite advice to a kid starting out. I'd say, get the best stuff you can afford, find some used stuff. Yeah. Be humble. Um, but yeah, we're trying to sell our services to people who are working in the best studios that yeah. have access to the best gear. So yeah. it has to, it's got to hang. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, interesting catch yeah. too, because I used to, um, uh, I never know whether I'm repeating myself on this thing or not, but like, uh, I used to tell people like, save your money. Don't buy a lot, but buy really good shit. That's great advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but I also think it's come to this point where software is amazing and if you get the Apollo system and you can have Neves and APIs and you're going through those using the console you know, I know my, dude. Philosophy, my philosophy had to change and say like yeah. okay, well if that's a great way for you to get in and you have those mm-hmm. options and I know that the, the UA stuff is super solid then okay I, I sound like an old dinosaur if I just preach the same thing, you know what I mean? No, yeah, I I know there's a drummer who um I haven't met in person yet but we become friendly on 
uh, online, this guy in New York uh, named Jordan Rose. Mm-hmm. If you've seen him play, it's a real funky pocket. And his shit sounds great. And I was like, what are you using? Like, what's your, you know, what, how do you, and he's all into the Apollo. He might have some pre's now, but he was right. using all like right. Neve stuff. And right. he's like, the dude has a great touch. He's got a great old Ludwig kit. Right. He's miking intelligently, getting good levels. Yep. Like 99% of the people aren't going to know, especially yeah. not through your phone. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah, I'm talking, you know, you know how it is, Blair. Every percent, whatever is that law, when you're trying to get to that last squeeze that last five, 10%, whatever that is, yeah. becomes like exponentially more expensive and difficult. Right. So, you know, it's like, well, where does it stop making sense? Where does it make sense? Yeah. Uh, but I bought some, I bought some killer pre's in the last year or so that I know I'm just, I'm going to have. Yeah. And it's like an investment and, and I'm not going to be like, oh, I should have got the such and such. Now I got to try to sell those. And yeah. 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 And then they're not worth as much. And you've, yeah. Cause you bought like middle grade stuff or yeah. prosumer stuff. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing that you turned my brain onto a few years ago, um, was sending things at unity for, for mix. Mm-hmm. You is that, that's your general philosophy, right? So when somebody pulls up all your tracks, they can just hit unity and that's your mix. Right. Boy, I was talking some good shit back then, Blair. Ah. I, d- I doubt I do that, but uh, ah. I'm I'm more cons- yeah, you know I I think that I probably had that in my ear, but I I don't know if I do that. I I try. You're so busted, dude. I know I'm so busted. I talk a good <laughs> game, man. Take everything I said with a grain of salt, and this is probably all bullshit too. No, but no. I, I it, it was it was really I was kind of like oh maybe I should be doing that. Well, that's like be- the Al Schmidt thing or something, you know, like just. Yeah, if you if if you just go like this, there's your record. Like they do a whole band like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm more concerned now because I keep changing like a mic or a drum with just looking. Like I can see my my rig. Yeah, I can see my Pro Tools. Just being like it's a constant battle with myself to just stay in the safe zone with my gains. Mm-hmm. Just there's nothing to be gained. <laughs> no pun intended by hitting digital stuff too hot. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I see like, I, I have to back off stuff, you know, regularly or just, you know, you might have your gain set and then you're playing harder. You get excited on the next song. Yeah. It's a different energy. Yeah. And then you're going back. Okay. I got to, and that's what I like about having my knobs right here. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll pull back my overheads, a couple DBs and right. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I I loved about like whatever that text exchange was, is that it it made me think about like who who is the client that I'm sending to, sure, and is is this person going to be able to emulate what I'm sending them? Mm. So I'm I'm, you know that your our our conversation about that made yeah. me think like okay, if somebody I'm working with is maybe you less savvy less savvy, mm-hmm. then I'm going to send them stuff at unity so you know it may be that my overhead waveforms look like almost non-visible but if if they pull it up and it's a balance that you that you chose yeah it's gonna sound like it like Mm -hmm. like hey do you like this yes that sounds great send me the stems great all you got to do is set them at zero and -hmm. you don't have to worry about mixing the drums because of your budget or experience or whatever so one one thing i want to talk to you about blur because it was interesting because i've come you know, I think it's, I think when I first started recording, I had this very naive idea of like, 
and I talked to you about it and, and you were very politely disagreeing with me. But I was like, well, yeah, I should know because you were diplomatic because you're, you're that kind of a guy. But I, I was saying like, well, I'm just sending my stuff dry, like as if that was a like a purist kind of thing. Mm. Whatever I meant by dry, meaning like no EQ. I, I mean, I didn't even fucking have any EQs on my priest. So it's like, of course, I said that. Uh-huh. Um, and I wasn't thinking. But I was at the time I thought, well, I don't want to make these big. I don't want to make production decisions. Like, I just want, I'll give them the, I'll make it sound as good as I can at a safe level and I'll let them tweak. Mm-hmm. Now, that's still true. They're going to tweak no matter what. Right. But playing drums, tracking for someone is production. You know, every yeah. choice you're making is a production decision. Yeah. So, and you were like, well, I, I use EQ. And I'm thinking like, wow, that's interesting. So um, I've gotten now where, of course, I'm, I'm but what I want to ask you beyond just EQing stuff because you do so many great sounding things where you're doing more um, extreme stuff. I'll just, you know, not down the middle, just a microphone on a drum where you're making like, you got a mic that you're treating pretty processing pretty hard Mm -hmm. or just the way you've mic'd it is a kind of a strong choice. Mm -hmm. What I want to ask you is, um, do you, are you checking in with clients? Are you, when, when someone sends you, like, let's say someone sends you a pop song and mm-hmm. you want to really crunch it up mm-hmm. with your snare sound or do you, are you checking with them or do you just sometimes just roll the dice and send it to them? Or are you sending them stuff that, that those more strong choices are an option? It's a mic or two that mm-hmm. they don't have to go with that they're, their clean thing is still there. This is what I want to know from you because I don't usually do that, but I'm wondering because I see you make these really strong choices. I'm wondering how that works. The answer is all of the above. Okay. Um, I definitely try to communicate as much as I can. What are we doing? Is there a reference? Just like we all do. Yeah. Um, And then, yes, I, I, I think my goal is to, give them something that is, is, uh, you know, whether it's unique or decisive Mm -hmm. and hopefully, and hopefully sets the production in a certain way, especially if I'm first, Uh right? Like, cause that's the really crazy, tricky, weird thing about home studio recording where Mm -hmm. you're by yourself. You're like, I'm setting your whole thing in motion. Like the choices that I'm making right now are helping define your song big time. So, um, so do I want to do that? I mean, yeah, I want to do that. Right. That's, that's, yeah, that's what, that's, isn't that, that's our goal as an artist, right? It's like, yeah, totally. So yeah, I'm checking in with them, but then of course, like if I'm making a reverb choice or a distortion choice or something like that, I try to give it as an option. So it's like, if it's too much, cool. So when you say you give it as an option, are you, you're working in pro tools? Yeah. Okay. Do you are you saying that you're giving it to them as an extra mic, or are you saying you're doing it as a plugin that they can disengage or engage, or both? Um, both. If One, that's if they're on Pro Tools. If they're not, well, I guess if if are, are, would you? So if someone if someone wasn't on Pro Tools, Blair, let's say you yeah. got a producer who's on Logic, you're sending them a pop song, yeah, and you got a gnarly processed mic, yeah. Um, but you're not sure because you haven't. They're in Bulgaria. You haven't been able to talk to them. <laughs> so, um, my Zoom works in Bulgaria. There, is, but is, maybe, is, you, maybe you need to upgrade. I don't know. Is there a cha- Would you ever? Um, 
you do to be safe, do it as a plugin and then print both, print them you're treated? Or do, is it more like, here's an extra, is it easier just to say, here's some channels, use them or lose them? I kind of think, I think like this, uh, that particular mic, I will, I will plug in it, do whatever. I will print it. Yep. So it's committed like that. Yep. That is a, that here's the choice I made. Like, you know, I've checked in with you. Presumably you agree with it. You know, sure. I don't know what's going to happen when it goes to mixing, but if you don't like it, you get, you, you have the option to mute it and then you have enough other standard, shit that you can cover your yeah. tones yeah. that are good enough. Yeah. You get to do your own thing or, yeah. or I'll do it through busing. You know, I'll send the mics, uh, I'll like send the mics, uh, the room mics through a little parallel compressed thing, smash yeah. the shit out of them and print that. And print that, but you still have the option of some fairly normal room. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. You know, or if there's a delay, whatever. Mm -hmm. You you know, I give them the option to mute. Have you been um, using um, listen to audio movers? Uh, Yes, here and there. Yeah. Have you talked about that before on your podcast? Uh, I don't. I've definitely had conversations. I don't know if it's through this, but or not. Yeah. So I'm just gonna put that out there for the couple random people who are listening to us yak yes. um there's three or the zillions <laughs> one thing that has helped me out a lot with some clients who really want to be producing you mm-hmm. is the audio movers app because instead yep. of printing balances and sending them and they're downloading them or streaming them yep it, it's a plugin that sits on your daw mm-hmm. that there's a receiver in a and a transmitter yep and there's like not very much latency and they can hear your two mix exactly. Yeah. And they can, so I could, I've worked with people where I'm like, I'm going to lay some down. I made a strong choice with the snare drum. Yeah. I'm going to record two and you tell me. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, I like that second snare. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and I find like, if I could spend 10 minutes doing that versus a revision playing the whole song, like I don't want to burn through a bunch of tracks and then have to do revisions. Yeah. So that's Uh, it. That's where I like it. Where it, where it's really come in handy for me is is part choices. Um, mm. There's some composers I work with, and then during the pandemic, they do a lot of TV stuff, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they really wanted like a bandy type feel for like a theme they were working on. Um, so it was really like that thing of like, hey, let's try kick drum patterns. I'm gonna send it on the other end, and obviously, if you're sending MP3s, that is that is just mind numbing. Right. So mm-hmm. audio movers for me has been super useful on like, cause you could just playlist and go, okay, okay. Let me play show you option B option C. Yeah. Or not even yeah. playlist like live in the room. Like just oh, while, while they're playing. Yeah. 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 yeah even just, better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. That's the kick drum pattern. Great. Um, can you try an offbeat hi-hat bang? Just like you would in a real studio. Yes. Like that human where interaction where decisions are literally made within seconds. Like, mm-hmm. nope, that sucks. Sorry about that idea. Let's next. Like, that could take yep. 15 minutes for one decision. So that's where I really have found it mm-hmm. helpful. Yep. Um, and the cool. Sonic thing, too, not as much, but yeah. that's where I really love that. Yeah, the whole thing. Just now. give me your opinion and save us all time. Yeah. Because that's the disadvantage about this way that we do this work. You know, we're isolated. And how do we bridge that gap? That's a great tool. Mm-hmm. How often you know? are you having people over? Let's let's pretend COVID is not a thing. And how Hardly ever. People, yeah. 
Hardly ever. ever. Okay. I don't have a space like you. Well, I, I don't know. Your space, you have this control room, so you can be in there and produce. I've noticed you've hosted other drummers who maybe don't have their own room, yeah. which is cool. Which I love. I've done that a little bit. I've had people over here, but most of my clients are... Um, yeah, I have I have one engineer that loves to engineer me. So he'll actually be sitting right next to me. Okay. And he wants to tweak. Cool. And he produces me yeah. while while I work. And that's totally cool. Yeah. I'm willing to do it. But I think most people, especially busy people, yeah. They love having a guy like you or me or whoever that they that they trust. Yeah. So to be able to, hey, could you work on this thing? And they're at their place working on something else. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, you're there and they're producing you, then that then they stop what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if they trust you, you, you know what they want. You know, it's, I think it's the efficiency is is what the a big part of the appeal is for a lot of people. Yeah. The, the busier composers and stuff. They. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not maybe not as much as you, but I've had people over here. I've, I've done I recorded a, a acoustic guitar record for this duo. And I was like, you know, I that was a whole crit like learning how to mic a guitar. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. You know. I re- uh, I recorded always George, more. I recorded George Deering one time in my studio. Oh wow. And I was like sweating. Oh great. Things, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, hey man, can we can George come over tomorrow for like three hours or whatever? <laughs> I was like, wait, are you serious? And I was up here, I was in my room for like four hours. Like, You're like Googling I, like how to record would, acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure everything was like ready to go. Cause I was just like, yeah. there's no way I'm going to make that dude wait around. You know what I mean? So did you end up doing just like a couple close mics and maybe some room mics or what did, did you I, do? I think I did a pair of 414s and then we also did electric and he literally brought his pod uh, and it was amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah. I'm but, sure. But I just wanted to make sure there was no hum. There was no oh, yeah. bullshit that was going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. you know, have you worked with George? Uh, I have think I've been on something that he's on, but not at the same time. Okay. I mean, he's like, yeah, legendary studio guy. Yeah, every, has played on everything since every movie. Three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's the kindest. They bad, usually are you know, <laughs> the yeah. people that are that good. Yeah. Yeah. So I just yeah. want to make sure it went. How cool. But, um, but I really love having, I, don't, I mean, here's the thing. One of one of the things I wanted to ask you, you got to record early in the 90s. Like you were recording in real studios in L.A. before I was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A little like, bit. Yeah. And I had a. Yeah. You got to you got to experience that young man. And like, yeah, a little bit, you know, and, um, and see how yeah. sessions work and things like that. And I, I love I mean, I just I crave that thing. Yeah. Know? I recently had a session for the first time in person in L.A. at a studio and it was like whoa we're all here and and what blew me away was the players were all killer it was like dave levita and babco and yeah. dan lutz hacks like how efficient mm-hmm. sessions are when i mean you just do it now because they're gonna they're gonna do it great yeah you'd be great and then we'll be out of here before lunch we'll get these songs done yeah like you you know i think i get into the rhythm of taking advantage of the time we have when we're working at home which is one thing that's so great about this. It's like, maybe I could change my symbols or change my snare. Mm-hmm. Like really put some time into it that you would never do if you're in a room with all these people and the clock is ticking for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, and people, most people aren't making records in person like that. Let's 
pandemic notwithstanding. Yes. You know, you get people together and they're all really good. You figure out what you're doing, you do it. Yeah. You might go, oh, try it. They might, the producer might say, throw up a different snare. Yep. You know, that's the most <laughs> you hear. Or the tom's ringing too much. Put some gaff on it or something. Right. So. It's funny. I, I've been I, so I, used to this rhythm that I went in and I was like, oh, it was yeah. like, I was having so much fun. It was over <laughs> before I knew it. It's funny. I was having a, uh, as I'm, I've, I don't, I'm not trying to name drop, but I no, had, go ahead. I had coffee with Abe recently and we were Love just talking Abe. about what a guy. Yeah. Abe's amazing. Right. And I was just talking about like, one of the strange things for me is exactly what you said is like you get i'm so used to this rhythm and if i screw up something especially if it's like something like a tv commercial where it's weird there's like a a bar of five just out of mm -hmm. nowhere or something like that you got to hit some weird thing that would you never do that in a song yeah, but you're hitting and, a mark or something yeah, and at home yeah. you have the option you have the option of screwing up a few times yeah but when you get in a room with people again that option goes out the window and and I was I was saying like man one of my battles is like that mentality of like being on your fucking game like no matter what yeah you know what I mean like and keeping keeping connected to that even though and not just taking advantage of the fact that you're in your studio yeah trying to keep your your red light game exactly. fa face on exactly yeah you know yeah there's definitely something to that because it that's when you can really throw down some of your best work when you really are demanding it of yourself. Yes. And, and I try to keep that, but it's, it's hard. When it is. It's a different energy too. You know, um, it, it's, you know, we go into these spaces and so, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same place. And sometimes it's, it's yeah. hard to be in there a lot. Yeah. It isn't, the inspiration is different. So yeah. How do you psych yourself into that? Mm -hmm. hopefully exactly. you have something great to play on but you don't always sometimes exactly. it's just something you got to get done yeah 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 or yeah. or that's the other thing or if there's something where it's maybe it's not that great but mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta psych yourself up to be like okay i'm not in the room with other people mm -hmm. i want to be efficient yet really good mm -hmm. but i gotta i gotta find a way to keep that intensity and that focus I think, yeah, you know? dude, and there's, there's, but I also think the nature of what we're doing here demands a different mind state because we're playing along to existing music tracks that are in various states of definition. Mm. So we are making ourselves into the shape of a puzzle piece that fits in. And that means learning the movement, like almost like a tempo map. Things are not always perfectly gridded and edited um, where people made certain choices on the other instruments that we got to catch that. Yeah. And, the, and that's the way it's going to be, because let's just say this is the version. Like sometimes yeah. I've replaced drums. Right. I'm sure you have on records where they, they tracked with somebody and they did a bunch of work and then they realized like, Oh, we didn't really love the sound we got or we, or the song is just evolved. It wasn't the drummer didn't do a good job. They, they realized they, that the vibe has changed. Right. So now you're going in. And I think that's a very different skill set actually Blair than Hey, let's all play the song together because we're all feeling it together at the same time versus what is here that's already defined and how do I make that feel like we all did it together? Mm. I think that's a trick. I think that's what makes people good at this thing or not is trying to make these existing tracks feel like it isn't a bunch of guys overdubbing. Right. So yep. Yep. I agree with what you're saying. 
But I also think that this sort of more analytical, take your time approach is actually what most of the stuff I do from home demands. Right. Like I just did a track yesterday for a friend, great bass player, Kevin McCormick. He's a producer, great bass player. He's working on a track for somebody. It's on, it's on a grid, mm-hmm. but I don't know who recorded all the tracks. Um, his bass is on it. It's great. But I, I felt there was, you know, there's a movement, mm-hmm. nothing egregious. Mm-hmm. But when I went in and looked at what I was doing, I thought, should I edit this a little bit? And for, you know, I'm like, let me just see. I'm a little ahead here. I'm a little, that snare's a little behind. I move some stuff around. I'm like, doesn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Whatever I did, like on the third take, was feeling pretty natural. Mm-hmm. And it isn't about like grid perfection because right. they weren't. And I don't have their multis. I have a bounce down. I don't, yeah. I can't see, but yeah. I'm pretty sure like, you know, they were pushing ahead and then laying back. It's, it's interesting. Right. So one of the things I, I, the luxury I allow myself with sometimes is to play a tune a bunch of times. Cause I like to get full takes. Yes. I still like, I like that mentality. Yes. I like the energy that builds and hopefully a part that builds and things like that. But I'll, I'll allow myself to play a tune a number of times before I even hit record. Mm. Because I know that like, I, d- I know myself, right? I know that like probably second takes not going to be it. It may be yeah. technically right. Yeah. But like, hopefully, you know, there's an emotion in there that I'm going to finally connect with or something where it like exactly what you just said. Now it sounds like music. Mm-hmm. So I will allow myself that thing. Yes. And then sometimes- because you're internalizing the track too, Blair. Exactly. It's, 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 you're becoming like really attuned to it in ways that you don't even know. Yeah. It isn't just like, oh, they went ahead here. It's just like you start to feel the track. Yes. And that's, that's when that you get thing. into that really good space with yeah. it. And yeah. that's that thing where you're in the room with people, you're you're humming with them. All together. Yeah. And everybody you kind of know when you're about to get the take before yeah. you start the take. Whether you just finished finished one and the producer goes, That was great. We're doing one more. And everybody you're locked in then. Everybody yeah. goes, We're gonna fucking nail it this time. Yeah. Like, or there's the other thing where like, you're like, I just, that was it for me. But then somebody goes, ah, can we do one more? You go, okay. Yeah, I know I can do that again. I'm yeah. going to do it again because we're in a collective headspace. Yeah. You know, it's trying to capture all those things yet by yourself. It's yep. like those mm-hmm. different mentalities happening sitting yep. by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, this this thing is it's its own thing. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the same skills as playing together, but a really different skill set too at the same time. Yeah. For exactly the reasons you're saying. Like, you know, it takes a while to learn the track, internalize it. When you're doing it all together at the same time, you're all on the same page from the get-go, in theory. Yeah. So what like on a like you're really good at something that I'm terrible at. Um, which is, I know you've made a course, you've got, um, you've been doing like a Patreon, you post a lot of your playing. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard enough time just getting in here and getting my shit working and getting the stuff done before I got to go get the kids from school or make dinner. No, you don't. No, I, you don't. I, 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 I have a hard time doing that. How, how, what's your, how do you record yourself? Like when you're filming, how do you, are you using, I actually want to know how you do it. Are you using GoPros? Are you? I know you got a couple cameras. What do you? 
What's your process for making your content, if you don't mind? Are we talking about a course? Or are we talking about like- no? Just like just anytime you share some of your playing, I notice you often have a couple camera angles. Not always, but and then like yeah, okay. I can't get my videos to ever sync up perfectly with the frame rate of Pro Tools. Like there's drift. Sure. This just drives me crazy. I'm just like makes me want to not do it. Um. That's an iPhone thing, by the way. I know. I should. I shouldn't use them. It's also a, a Final Cut thing. If you get Final Cut, not iMovie, that will fix that. I've been using DaVinci Resolve, and it does help a lot. Okay. iMovie's terrible. iMovie's but terrible. But I think the iPhone is super bad for this for yeah. uh, audio sync. I mean, how do I answer this? I mean, when you re- when you record yourself, are you taking out? How does it work? Are you taking out three <laughs> memory cards and putting it into a... I mean, uh, it depends on what I'm doing. If it's just like some, you know, Instagram, I'm trying to be relevant thing, I just literally throw my iPhone up and just pick a take. It may not be the take. Just go, okay, this is a sound I got today. Blah, okay, blah, blah. but when I see you, I've seen you on Instagram have more than one camera. Sure. Are those GoPros? They'll, one is a GoPro and one's an iPhone. And then you put them... How do you get the stuff off of it? Are I you? Put it, I put it into Final Cut. Okay. <laughs> and then and then Final Cut will line it up. Yep. And then you do an edit. You just play and you just edit back and forth between whichever camera angle you want. Well, you're good at it, Blair. Oh, thanks. <laughs> good work, man. I mean, a lot Cause... of it, a lot of that was from Patreon, which I've slowed down on because sure. I decided you made a course. To, uh, yeah, I've kind of yeah. made courses, but just trying to make it. I guess interesting. And I got to say, it's funny because to look back at some of my stuff with a little bit of perspective now, because I think some of the production really sucks, but, but I think the content itself is good. So I, I feel okay about it, but obviously production wise, it's, I'm like, Jesus, that's terrible. But, um, I don't know. I think this is a very different, I think it's really important. Like it's one thing that, you know, I don't think it comes naturally for our generation. The kids who came after us, they grew up online. Yeah. We, it came, the internet came to being while we were adults. Dude, I'm 28. I don't know what. Yeah, right. And, and I think that it's not something that it's easy for our people of our generation, Gen Xers or above yeah. to embrace and be good at. And you're good at it. You put, it's, it's not natural. I think there's a different mindset. It's I think funny. I, it's funny because I don't yeah. feel good at it. I don't feel like I'm good at it, but I felt like at a certain point, and I think it was it was probably a similar thing to you, where I was like, I want to spend more time at home. I have kids. Yep. I gotta st- somehow stay relevant in a in a, and and I remember watching certain people maybe around 2011 or something, and they're starting to make videos, and I was like, I don't want to make videos. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. But I was like, I got to do this. Because you can and, see that's where it was going. Yeah. And I talked yeah. to Tim Pierce a bunch. Like, and Tim. Oh, was he's like, really good. Yeah. Tim's great. And he's like, yeah, man, you got to do this. And I was like, okay. So it was, it was like forced in a certain way. But I was like, man, if I'm going to try to live at home and sure. my kids, and we, you know, we talked about this. I was like, I was like, I got to try to figure out how to do this somehow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for like the longest time, it was iMovie and just finagling shit, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and then the the first course I put out, which is the recording thing, was really just like old Patreon. Uh, Clips? Of course, you know, uh, lessons. Lessons. Yeah. And I thought when the pandemic hit, I started to get a lot of phone calls like, hey, dude, I'm off the road, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, 
why don't I put this out? And the, and the production on that is pretty low, low fi. So uh, the another one I just made, I was like, okay, I got to step this up a little, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I bought final cut and I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta step it up. And, and now I feel like I'm, I know a little better. I'm going to make another one now. And I'm like, okay, I painted mm-hmm. my room. So it looks a little better. People talked to me about lighting and I'm not going crazy with lighting, but I'm like a little more aware. Yeah. 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 You're, that, you're, it's a visual medium. It's just yeah. all this shit that like, I, I can't imagine ever having thought about, but I just felt like I needed to like dive in just like, just like I did with recording, just like I did mm-hmm. with drumming, like we all did. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really smart. And I respect you for doing that. And, and people, um, you know, as little as I do it, cause I'm very negligent it always seems to bear fruit of some kind. And I, and I feel um, mixed about it clearly, but because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not that <laughs> like just about posting any playing. I'm just not that great at getting around to it, but it does, it does help people. That's your calling card. Now, you know, there's no, no one's looking in the local 47 musician directory, you know, and, connection. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. People look you up, you know, and they go, what's he doing? And they look at me and they go, this guy is weird. He's got a mullet on and he's talking a lot of shit. I should hire him. Uh-huh. No, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, so I, I realized after some, I was doing a bunch of that. I'm like, I got to post some more playing so people remember that I'm a drummer. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that whatever, you know, that's the balance. I, I, I love that shit. You know, I think most of us do. Uh, don't encourage me, Blair. Uh, I, Don't encourage me. You know, there, I like it. Thank you. Just, yeah, because because then, then you don't have to talk shit and I can do it all. I get it. <laughs> hey, oh, man. man. We, we I, all you know pick a lane. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna, I'll shoot a promo for this. <laughs> okay. Promise. Okay. That'll get the mullet. I got to dust the mullet off. There we go. So one of my kids, my younger daughter's in the cosplay okay. and she was like, your, your mullet, your wig is really ratty. Can I brush it out? So she's like my wig tech. <laughs> I can love that dude. Uh, if anybody so, doesn't know so what I'm talking get- about, check my Instagram at Kaliri theory on Instagram. You'll, you'll be entertained or appalled. Does that guy have a name? No, people ask me that. It's just my, it's just alter ego. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He should. Yeah, I don't know. He and I, I have he stepped up my production. Simple, though. If I put as much production work into my drumming videos I did into those, I'd probably be fine, huh, Blair? You'd probably be working <laughs> a lot more, yeah. Dude, you know what's funny is like every time I do one of those, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm I'm like re-watching YouTube tutorials. Because like where I when I have two of myself, I'm like, how to clone yourself that that the in the in the program I'm in, and I watch the tutorial again, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I gotta do that. Like, I'm just terrible at it. People, it's just funny because the comments are like, you are so good at this video shit, man. You're like a genius. I'm like, you have no idea what a moron I am. I'm terrible. I love over I love here, it. like poking on my YouTube. devolved into this. I love yeah. it. I love it. But you are good at this shit. And I, I respect that a lot because, you know, we, we're isolated tinkering on our own. So how do you let people know what you're doing? You got to yeah. let, you got to let people into the, to the world a bit. We're dads, man. Yeah. Dads. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we, we both wear flannel. We have affinity for flannel. <laughs> <laughs> we were both huge in the nineties. Well, you were, you were huge uh, in the nineties. You were doing some huge shit. Then I don't get, get out of here. You were, you were uh, 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 early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. We're there. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm a late bloomer, man. <laughs> 
Um, well, yeah. dude, it was fun doing this. Uh, any anything else you want to? Um, I don't know. No, I th- I feel yeah. like uh, we've sufficiently uh, numbed people's brains, <laughs> and uh, we did a good job at it. Yeah, yeah, I got to come over sometime, man, and uh, see your spot. It's been way too long, and if you're ever up yeah. my way, look me up. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, Mario. Thanks, dude. Good talking to you, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. See ya.